Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. We're here, and we're ready to announce the nominees for... Uh, I didn't get that far in the joke. Best <laughs> ep- best 350th episode. Boom. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I can't believe we're at 350 episodes. That's like seven years of content, dude. Yeah, and you know what's funny? For every one of those years, there was a new version of Skyrim. So. <laughs> no, it's a yeah, same Skyrim, just yeah, different consoles. <laughs> yeah, different a new platform for yeah, you to play. Like what? New, yeah. What was the Skyrim this year? Ah, maybe we didn't get a Skyrim this year. No, uh, was- we got Alexa. We got the Alexa Skyrim. Right, and I was gonna say, didn't they put Skyrim on Switch, or was that last year? That was la- that was last year's oh, Skyrim. Last year's okay. This year's Skyrim was the Alexa. So what's year eight gonna behold? I don't know. Right. We'll have to find out. Don't even know. Uh, but yeah, before we get too far into what we're playing, wanted to remind everybody that we are in the home stretch of our Extra Life campaign. You can mm-hmm. go to bitly slash TGI Extra Life 2018 in order to see the entire team roster and how we're all doing. And both Ryan and I are very close to hitting our goals. Uh, I'm going to be doing my final stream tomorrow, which is uh, Saturday, December 8th. And then Ryan is going to be streaming on December 21st. I'll probably pop in on the 21st stream as well. But uh, yeah, we're getting I, I, bought, there. Uh, I bought candy cane ice cream and I'm going to eat it on stream. So you should do the same so we can <laughs> sync up our ice cream tasting. It'll be great. You know that I'm supposed to still be on my diet, right? <laughs> oh, uh, well, I'm on a I'm diet as well, you. right? I'm so. teasing you. I'm teasing you. <laughs> you know, it's only a bowl and it's for the kids and it's the holidays uh, and insert excuse here to eat delicious things. I don't know. Like, I think it'll be terrible just because I'll be eating on stream and like no one wants to watch or hear that. But it's for the holidays. It's going to be delicious. And I haven't had any yet. So I figured like the 21st, I've pushed it far enough. It's time to enjoy uh, this weird Canadian delicacy. So is it a Canadian thing? I feel like it is because it's like President's Choice, which is a Canadian brand. But I, could I guess be that's wrong. true. I don't know. I just, game, I just though. assume, yeah, I just assume that everyone has candy cane ice cream because I can't imagine my life without candy cane ice cream. It's like my favorite thing. Well, if there are Americans listening or, or anybody outside of Canada that, that wants to chime in, certainly let us know. And um, I have a feeling it's one of those things like Tim Horton, not Tim Hortons, but uh, like ketchup a toonie. Chips? Like ketchup chips. Yes, perfect. Ketchup chips. Someone tweeted us about, you know, putting ketchup chips and, and candy cane ice cream on layaway uh, for when they come in for the holidays. And I mean, yeah, maybe it isn't a Canadian thing, but I'm sure there is some form of it. But it's not, damn it, it's not the one that we enjoy, you know? <laughs> it's, it's an American knockoff. It's like their, you know, macaroni and cheese. It ain't craft Dinner. It's just like weird pasta with cheese paste on it. It's not the same Wait. thing. They don't have craft. Okay, you know what? This is the tangent into half. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> pulling back to yes, what we're please. actually playing this week. Uh, so, Ryan, you've been spending a little bit of time in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm really interested to know what your thoughts are on this game because Origins just put me off Assassin's Creed a little bit. So, mm. what did you think of Odyssey? Well, the weird thing is, is I can't remember. I remember talking, like, I remember when you shared your thoughts on Origins, which was right around launch, and. I can't remember if I talked about playing Origins because I had picked it up during the summer for like $30 on sale. 
and just because it was on sale and I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'm going to try it and see what it's like. Cause I know Jocelyn, you know, really didn't like it, but I know a lot of people did. And I know I, I love Assassin's Creed and, but I mean, I can't remember the last time I finished an Assassin's Creed game. So there's always that, but with Origins, if I had talked about it previous, I can't remember, but I kind of bounced off of it. Like I figured Egypt would be more exciting and it really didn't click with me. Like it didn't, it didn't just latch on to me. I don't know. Like the intro to the, to the origins, it's a whole new combat system. It kind of felt really bogged down as you're like contorting your fingers to try and do the combat. And you, you didn't feel fast enough in terms of the enemies that you were fighting. So it, I got about five hours in or so, and it just felt like I was kind of trudging through it. Um, I didn't like the main character either. I think he was starting to grow on me, but he, he didn't really, he wasn't doing anything of, of interest. I don't know, like maybe it gets better because people talk about him as like this amazing character. I, I just, it didn't like click with me. Like, did you remember the Origins main character? Like, do you remember anything about him in your in your small time playing? Because I think like he, he kind of fell flat, you know? Uh, I did not get very far in Origins. Mm-hmm. So um, I, barely remember anything about him i don't even think i made it like out of the first town i think i kind of got to the point where i'd like i had to go to some big like fort or something and confront this dude and i kind of did that and then i was like eh and i never went back to it after that so i didn't even like move on in the story past the first area like i just kind Mm -hmm. of finished it and stopped yeah and and i'm i mean i'm not as big into egypt as a lot of like i know as you are so Egypt really didn't like jump out at me. So when Assassin's Creed Odyssey was announced, you know, uh, Greek mythology, uh, Greek countries, you know, Athens, Sparta, the the Persians, all that stuff that was that was being teased in that game. And I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. The fact that you can choose between a a male and female uh, main protagonist, similar to Syndicate, which was the last Assassin's Creed that I really, Mm. really enjoyed. And it I didn't pick it up at launch, but I actually picked it up during a Black Friday sale and started playing it. And I, and I was pleasantly surprised how it clicked a lot better for me. Um, it, it was it started off as the main character just being much more interesting. The setup for the main character like kind of reminded me a, a bit of 300 because you are a Spartan. And they set that up right up, right away. And they, they start with, you know, the battle of, um, is it Thermopylae's? Or am I just like kind of throwing random Greek sounding words out there? The uh, one where the, the 300. Thermopylae is definitely a famous battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember the one, the battle where there's like 300 Spartans and all the par- Persians are coming at you. Like basically the whole plot of 300, that, that battle. <laughs> that battle. Uh, yeah. So it's, the game starts with that as you're playing as uh, basically the, the King Leonidas, but they call him Leonidas or Leonidas. I can't remember his name. Anyways, he's. He's in it for a brief second. You control him, and it's kind of like the advanced sort of. Oh, you get to control this guy, and it and it kind of shows off some of the powers you're going to get. So that's the biggest difference between. I mean, I didn't get far in Origins, but what I did play in Origins, it was kind of your two attacks. So the the top bumper and the far uh, the bumper below it to do light and heavy, and that kind of felt disjointed to me. But then in this one, they have that plus some powers that you can activate. So there's like a charge. And uh, like where you just you charge forward through enemies, 
Um, there's like a shield uh, disable, which is very, very cool. And there was another one that I've been using a lot, but now I can't remember. It was, oh, jeez, well, how could I forget? The Spartan Kick. There's also a Spartan Kick, which is super duper amazing. Like it just, it feels so good to just kick people on their backs and be like, this is Sparta. Basically, it's the this is Sparta button. And yeah, it starts you off and it kind of showcases what your character will be able to do down the line, you know, in a in a sort of Metroid type way where they where they display your powers. But then as soon as you've had that taste, it takes it away from you and says like, okay, now let's get to the main, you know, the main character and set this thing up. And you know, I'm playing as Cassandra, and she's just super lovable, and she's all her acting's great. Her interactions with characters are great. A complete opposite of my reaction to Bayek in Origins. I, I just find her much, much more interesting. And the locale is fantastic. You know, it's bright, it's colorful, it's varied. Uh, lots of people. You know, no desert, desolate cities where, you know, it just... It's just so bright and colorful, and I don't know. It's it's just a stark difference between Origins and Odyssey, and I know it's a very similar game. It's still got all the mechanics, the RPG elements of, you know, armor and upgrades and all that fun stuff, but it just feels like the 1.5 edition, you know, like when you're buying phones, like you wait for the S version of the iPhone, right? Because you want the same base, but just a little more polish, mm. you know? And I think that's the way to approach Assassin's Creed games. I, I think that's my motto from now on. It's just like, you know, skip the first one, let other people enjoy it, and then check out like the 1.5 edition that comes out, you know, a, a year later. And yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I'm really enjoying it. And the combat just feels so much tighter, which again was my biggest criticism from Origins. It didn't feel snappy like the other Assassin's Creed games where you could kind of, you felt like a like a badass just taking everybody on and and I would quickly be overwhelmed in Origins but in this I feel like I have a little more freedom to mix things up with my kick and my charge and you know oh there's a parry button now I didn't remember that in Origins like you can kind of and again people correct me if I'm wrong because I didn't really enjoy and get far in Origins but there's a way to actually parry you know enemies attacks so you feel as though you can and I think maybe you could do that in Origins but it just seems I, easier I in this one. Think, yeah, I think maybe you could. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you could. I, like there was a like a shield or a buckler in Origins where you could kind of you, you could kind of deflect shots, but it didn't it didn't feel as snappy as this. Like maybe there's a there's a greater window for error uh, in you know in Origins, whereas in Odyssey it's much it's much looser and, and more forgiving. Mm. Um, but I don't know. It's really cool. They brought back ship battles. So that's a big difference between Odyssey and Origins is that you're able to go in the sea and you've got your sea chance. Um, I, through Uplay, like unlocked like a full, you know, female cruise. So like I've got the whole, you know, the whole thing going with uh, I'm Cassandra, but then everyone's chanting. And then Evie's on my boat for some reason. Like I teleported her back from London like a thousand years in the future. <laughs> so I mean, there's a bit of world breaking there. Like this one is a bit like outside the seriousness that that I think Origins brought back. But uh, well, I was yeah. gonna say, is there like a tie to the grander? Like, have they just given up on tying their games together, and they're just like, these are all just the stories of the Assassin Order. There is no greater story. Well, in Origins, there's the I think it's 
I can't remember who she is or her name, but is this? It's this woman in ancient Egypt, and she's trying to track some artifact through through Bayek. And whatever happens in that game, she continues to on her adventures. I think she switches sides. I know that much in Odyssey because I think in the first one she was working for Abstergo, and then in Odyssey, like she's got this new colleague, or maybe she's not new. Again, I never finished Origins, but yeah, there is that connection to the real world. Um, in Odyssey, you're playing it, you play as the same, or it features the same character, but now she's she's trying to track the assassins and revive the order in in the present uh, world. So there is still that connection, um, but it's not as it's not as front facing, you know. And I think that's where they were able to get a little less serious with, you know, going into the uh, the animus. You know, because you're you're using an animus that you've created yourself. So there's some there's some bugs and glitches that can be presented, and maybe that's where they get away with having you know a little bit more wildness and weirdness in this one. Because I think there's like Greek mythology with um, Medusa and some other stuff, but I haven't come across it. There's definitely some weirdness happening. I've I've come across an island, and it's it's like oh, it won't let me progress through this, but there's clearly like a monster on the other side of the door that you know, does a big spooky roar. So it's a, it's a really cool game and I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's big. It's bloated. It's huge. Like I'm never going to finish it because that's the number one argument people have had is that it's just really, there's a lot there, but what I'm playing, I'm enjoying. And the ship combat is just, I missed it so much. It's been too long. It's so good. <laughs> oh man. I can't even remember. When was the last time there was ship combat in Assassin's Creed? Was it Black Flag? Black Flag probably. Yeah, did they have it in Syndicate? I can't remember. I don't think they did. No. Huh. Man, but this is it, it's much it's much more fun in here. Like I, it, it was something it was sorely missing because it breaks up the you know the combat and stuff. And man, the fact that you can summon your horse and just like beeline it to the objective without worrying about falling off a cliff and then having to revive your horse. I've been playing Red Dead as well, mm-hmm. and like it's just so different, <laughs> you know. And and your horse just comes out of nowhere. You, you can leave it behind and whistle, and then it just it just bloop, into existence, you know. But in Red Dead Redemption, it's like, oh, you left your horse behind, so now you got to go back to it. You you bum. Why'd you leave your horse? You know, <laughs> it's so nice to to play in a world that doesn't punish you. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I really am for sure. That's very cool. Maybe I will give it a shot once I see it come up on a sale. I I did see it. I think it was around 50 bucks or something in kind of Mm -hmm. all the Black Friday sales, um, which is still a fine price. I mean, it's more so my budget issues than like, oh, I don't think it's worth $50. It's more like I don't have $50 to spend right now. (laughs) Yeah, the lowest I saw it. So I picked it up. I'm playing on PC. It looks fantastic on PC. And and, uh, maybe that's a a stark difference. I was playing Origins on the Xbox One and, you know, I never put much stock in, you know, the Xbox One versus Xbox One X conversation. But um, lately, especially with Assassin's Creed, I've noticed that playing on PC may may show that, oh, maybe games are starting to run vastly different on these. Not maybe not vastly, but to a degree that we, we're starting to notice between the two platforms, you know, and it's a bit it's a bit unfortunate, you know, to have that split down the middle in terms of, you know, a uh, stronger hardware that I don't own for the console. Um, cause sometimes I like to play couch, you know, just play some couch console stuff. But, um, 
Yeah, it it runs really well. On, like if you're thinking of getting it on PC, I think the lowest I have seen is fifty, but I, I've seen it go down to forty on consoles. And, and this is Canadian folks, so like that's that's fifty percent off. You yeah, know, here, yeah. right? Which is a, a stellar deal, but it all depends on what platform you're looking to, to get it on. If if you if you have the extra ten bucks, I think it's much more worth playing this on PC for sure. Yeah, and that's kind of uh, so. I've I've finished Darksiders three now, and mm-hmm. that was pretty much my biggest takeaway. I think from Darksiders three sounds like a lot the same as your takeaway from Odyssey is that mm-hmm. like yeah, you can play it on the console, but if you have the older version, so just the plain Xbox One and not the S or the X, and probably the same thing goes with PlayStation. If you have like the original version of the consoles you're going to start to see a very big difference in performance. And I've seen a lot of people in different forum threads for Darksiders 3, basically, regardless of platform, complaining about the same sort of thing, whether it's, you know, loading screens or even loading areas. Like, the further I got into the game, the more noticeable it became. Where, like, I think I mentioned last week, I would be, like, running down a set of stairs and you could tell when you were coming into a new area because it would kind of, like, pause you mid stride and the little loading thing would come up so there wasn't a loading screen it literally like stopped the action and uh that was really jarring and i thought it was an xbox one thing but apparently you do still get that a couple times on pc it's just much worse on the original consoles um but yeah so i i did end up finishing the game i was playing on like story difficulty and actually at one point i was fighting a boss and Matt came downstairs and was like watching and he's like, why don't you turn the difficulty down? I thought you were playing on story mode. I was like, this is story mode. <laughs> uh, now, did you play with the new patch that supposedly brought down the story mode difficulty? Uh, Well, I finished the game. Or maybe you finished it before two, it came out. I finished the game two nights ago, so I'm not 100% sure when that patch dropped. But yeah, apparently they were supposed to change something. Um, I basically just noticed that there was, and a lot of people, again, forums had been talking about this because I, I literally thought I was doing something wrong at a couple points in the game, but, um, I looked it up and it was just like, nope, this boss is just super punishing. There's, you know, nothing you can really do about it because like, so they had cool mechanics when it came to the bosses that made it like added an extra level of difficulty to it because it's like, the bosses would have a certain like move set, but then they would kind of like go through a pattern. But then depending on like where you were standing in the room or like what you were interacting with, in some cases, the boss would like alter its pattern. So it made it that little bit more unpredictable slash. There was like another thing you had to learn, I guess. So like you had to learn positioning on top of the boss's ability patterns. So it was kind of cool in theory, mm-hmm. but I guess like I wanted to play Darksiders 3. It wasn't the kind of store or it wasn't the kind of game that I enjoy because like I mentioned last week, they went to a Dark Souls don't get hit style of combat that I don't enjoy. And the dodge mechanic didn't work or like wasn't as responsive as it should have been. So it felt like if you at any point in a fight hit the dodge button without the correct timing then it was almost like you were stunned for a second and that was long enough for the enemy to essentially kill you Hmm. so you were like you had to be like constantly moving but not dodging and then you had to get the perfect timing dodge 
and then you would get like the like bullet time sort of thing where everything slows down and you get to do your counter attack. Um, but you basically couldn't just run around like dodge, 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 dodge. Cause it would be like dodge, stun, dodge, stun, dodge, stun. <laughs> yeah. So, I remember uh, a lot, like a lot of folks were just talking about how the dodge just felt like there's something about a bad dodge that can just tear apart into or tear apart a game in two. You know, yeah. like if, if that dodge is too punishing or the window isn't, you know, uh, large forgiving enough yeah what what i always loved about some dodges is they're like bayonetta did this really well uh, from a combat standpoint that game had stellar has stellar combat and what really made it shine was the fact that there were there was eight there was a dodge button and then if you dodged at the perfect moment you slowed time but any other time if you just dodged you just dodged like Mm -hmm. it it never felt like your fault or never, it never felt like the game's fault. If you missed a dodge, yeah. uh, it, it, it always felt like, Oh, I just, I straight up just didn't dodge. And I like games that are more fun than like trying to like stuff in like this challenge. Like, I don't think missing a dodge is, 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 is good or fun game design. Like it's, uh, it's hard it's just it's it's just really weird you know that they would they, they would put that in there yeah so i mean they as i was saying like this this is not a game that i was playing because i enjoyed the combat this is a game mm-hmm. that i was playing because i enjoy the universe and the story and i wanted to see like what was going on and where they were going to take it and mm-hmm. uh i've got to say like it really started to fall apart yeah. in the latter like third of the game probably there were these really weird, somewhat optional, I guess, story beats. And, like, I don't know. It just, like, I was confused quite often in the latter half of the game because they were putting me up against bosses that I'd already defeated. And they were like, oh, you thought you defeated this person, but you actually didn't. And I was like, oh, all right then. And it felt like they were just looking for an excuse to make the game longer because it... it, it wasn't that long. It was probably like 15 hours or so. And that was kind of um, artificially extended. Like it took me longer just because of like the difficulty level, which sounds crazy because I was playing on story difficulty. But like I say, like I, I spent a good like two hours bashing my head against one boss. Like, so it was still gave me an interesting kind of conclusion but then like like i say there were um story beats where it was like there's like optional bosses but it never really tells you that they're there kind of it was just i happened to notice this like weirdly placed tornado off to the side and i was like oh maybe i'll go and check that out and then there was this whole storyline about oh so and so is lying to you even though he's been helping you this whole time and then it's like at the end of this like big long monologue it's you get the choice to either kill this optional boss or go back and kill the dudes that's been helping you but it's like you're never really given enough information to know like what the correct path would potentially be or what impacts they would have so i i made my decision and then you get an item and it says okay go to this place 
but then it never like there's no like quest log and there's no map or anything like that in Darksiders 3. Oh. So you're you're just kind of left up to your own devices to kind of keep track of a very convoluted story. There's a whole lot of points in the story where like your there's like hints dropped, but they don't make any sense really. Like at one point you're supposed like you essentially get rid of this big tornado thing. Mm-hmm. And the tornado thing, when you kill it, even though like it looks like a tornado, like you can't kill a tornado, but I guess there was some like kept hinting at like something growing inside. So oh, you, you just spin in the opposite direction to kill <laughs> exactly. a tornado. There you go. So yeah. you kill it and it like cries out sort of thing. And then says <laughs> like, thank you for freeing me sort of thing. I oh. can't remember the exact like wording or whatever. And then your little companion dude says something about like grander plans or blah, 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 like some, some stuff that seems like it should be important, but then you never find out what's in the tornado. It's never brought up ever again. And you're just like, what even was this plot point? (laughs) Like it doesn't fit in anywhere and no one ever explains it, but they put it in. (laughs) I don't want to, you know, assume, uh, but there is two packs of dlc planned for the game so maybe maybe the dlc maybe picks up that tangent i I don't i don't know know. it just there were so many parts of this that seemed so weird and like i say i I did this optional boss and then was supposed to go somewhere else but because there's no quest log and no map i i didn't necessarily forget but i thought at some point i would be like taken in that direction and i never was so i had this like half finished storyline so i youtubed like what the differences are and there's like basically no difference in the story and i was like okay well then i'm just not gonna go back and do this but uh yeah it the final boss confrontation was really interesting and really cool but overall it wasn't really i guess worth the time that i put in to beat the game and a lot of it had very frustrating moments that like i said the the performance on the xbox one was very very poor so there's a just as a for instance um there was a point that probably took me about half an hour if not 45 minutes to get through which was just straight up like a foot race and you're running away from this thing and right at the very end you actually transition from like an outside zone to an inside zone so there's one of those like points where it freezes you and load and it was like it would freeze me to load the next area where my character was going to step but the thing i was racing didn't get frozen so if i kept pushing the control stick then it would actually turn me around when it loaded so then i was backwards and and the timing on this was just as punishing as anything else so like when you executed it successfully you had maybe a half a second that you beat the thing by so that loading screen, like either you press the control stick forward and then get spun around when it finishes loading or you don't press anything. And then so your character stops running and then you have to start running again. And that's what I had to end up doing was like when I saw the loading screen, I basically had to like let go of everything on the controller, let it load and then continue again. But that was like you take a few walking steps before you start running again and very, very, very barely I beat it one time after like 45 minutes <laughs> oh. of 
of just respawning and dying and respawning and dying and respawning and dying to this race mechanic with a load screen in the middle. I was like, oh man, just performance wise, it was a really bad game. But right. with all that said, here comes the, the Ryan butt. It's happening. <laughs> the ending. Uh-huh. Hints. So it didn't actually end in the same place as one and two. But the ending very strongly hinted either at Darksiders 4 or possibly at DLC. I don't know how they're going to handle, handle it. Yeah, I don't know. But basically, there's like a super cool reveal at the end. But like I said, it didn't end at the same spot as 1 and 2. So timeline-wise, I don't think Fury's story has gotten as far as War and Death's story. So I'm interested to see... How they get her to the point, and again, this might be DLC, how they get her to the point of that in the timeline where she's meeting up with war and death. And then there's also like the the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. We haven't seen his story yet. So again, I don't know if his story will be DLC or if his story is planned at Darksiders 4, but they left it off in a very kind of interesting place. And as much as her journey was my least favorite of the three. It's part of a grander story in a grander universe that I still want to see come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. So I'm still interested, but I really wish that they had gone, you know, kind of back to Darksiders 1 in terms of like combat and world exploration. Cause there was like, there were parts of the game where like you were getting new abilities that unlocked new ways to go like very key lock and key Zelda style stuff. It was still present in Darksiders three. It's just that the combat and those kind of system mechanics were just way too close to Dark Souls for me. Like it was just Mm -hmm. super punishing. The puzzles themselves were few and far between and I didn't find them very challenging more often than not. They were mechanically challenging, like the race thing I was talking about. Uh, It was stuff like that, but then it's like limitations of the game itself made the challenges even harder. So, but not in a way that I was like, oh, I couldn't figure it out. Like nine times out of 10, I had figured out what I was supposed to do. It was just some stupid timing combination of buttons thing that took me way longer than it should have to actually execute because they made the like, margin of error so small that you basically had to get perfect on insane mode and guitar hero levels of rhythm stuff you know like <laughs> yeah no thanks uh yeah it uh, so the dlc you're gonna love this so the, the first there's two pieces of dlc the first one is called the crucible which adds a horde mode so basically combat why would you so, ever want that <laughs> so it's your favorite one so far <laughs> yeah, uh, the really. second the second dlc is called keepers of the void has Fury journey to the Serpent Holes to deal with an ancient threat, which will actually, uh, it looks like that that piece of DLC will be focused more on the uh, the puzzles. that uh, Like, like uh, puzzles, so it says Legend of Zelda-like puzzles will be the main focus of that mm. expansion. So, so it, it doesn't sound like either one of those things are actually tied to the main storyline at all then. Uh, okay well that that is a bit unfortunate i do love a good epilogue dlc we do not get it enough and i I understand why they're very expensive to make and well uh, this is really funny because um considering darksiders one and two ended in the same place 
I wouldn't even necessarily consider it epilogue DLC. I feel like they took a few hours worth of combat and, and bosses and just story and didn't tell us like it's not, I feel like it wouldn't even be an epilogue. I feel like it's just the conclusion of the game is missing. Yeah. The end of the game felt missing. Like when I, when they showed me what the end was and you know, I beat the final boss and there's a whole bunch of like, um, cutscene type material after you beat the final boss then it's like you go through stuff and you see all these things and I was expecting the game to pick up again because it didn't end in the place where it was supposed to so I feel like there's this this gap in Fury's story not to mention the fourth horseman that we haven't seen at all um or whose story we haven't seen at all like there that chunk of story is is what I really want to know because when you start Darksiders 3 the the whole entire thing starts with a cutscene where Fury gets her assignment from the council and mm-hmm. her brother War is sitting there chained up just like he is at the start of Darksiders 1. And she like hates her brother. She doesn't want anything to do with him. She wants to lead the horseman. She thinks that he's pathetic and he's, you know, lost his will. And, you know, if he's been accused of the apocalypse, of course he did it. So, you know, screw him. What do you need from me? Make me the leader when I come back past complete and so to see her go from that to the point where she would be on his side you get some of that and you do see her character grow and change over the course of dark starters 3 but there's still that like final reconciliation with the other horsemen that you don't get to see and that must have to happen before they all come to war's aid at the end of dark starters 1 so like I say, it feels like there's like two, maybe three hours of story that was just not included at the end of this game. And it's quite possible. I don't want to spoil too much stuff, but it's quite possible they might roll that in with Strife's story, mm-hmm. uh, which is the horseman that we haven't seen yet. So where where Fury ends up at the end of Darksiders 3 could be part of Darksiders 4 if maybe they want to go down the road of giving you the option of playing as Fury or Strife. With the way Darksiders 3 ended, they could do that. Potentially. Okay. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, like I say, it just it's it's just missing something slash didn't finish where I wanted it to. And not that I wanted to play another two or three hours of Darksiders 3. I was pretty much done by the time I was done. But um, <laughs> it's, yeah. It was it was okay. I yeah. think it was, it was okay. <laughs> we are is there's such an embarrassment of riches right now. Like I know we're gonna talk a bit about it later, but the fact that you haven't you haven't had a chance to check out God of War yet, which honestly is is uh, is just this stellar experience. It, and there's so much that came out in 2018, and I would hate for the last uh, the last game of that you you truly dig into in 2018 to be to be dark dark siders three you know like it is what it is uh but um man it just i feel like our roles have have been reversed (laughs) i do have beholder two sitting in my steam account ready to be played so well there you go let's get a palette (laughs) cleanser in here 351 i feel it i feel as though you know the gamers in can be rejuvenated uh, <laughs> i i think it's a good conversation to have like as a fan of of darksiders and the folks who are curious what it looks like to resurrect a you know a franchise after a major studio shutdown you know shuttering of the old uh, the old developers 
coming back together under this weird resurrected THQ Nordic and this new uh, Vigil Games, I think it's called. Like it's, there's just a lot of weirdness. And if if this package comes together through all that weirdness, for all intents and purposes, it's probably a really great turnout for all the shit it had to go through, you know, to get yeah, to this point. Exactly. It could have been there, a lot worse. Yeah, there are times when it definitely feels like maybe it's like sections of the game pulled from the old team or something. And like it it does kind of have that stitched together Franken game feel to it at some points. Uh, but I mean it's it's overall I it's probably like a it, with the new patch, which I haven't actually played yet, but I could see mm-hmm. uh, with a difficulty, with a drop in difficulty, to make it feel more like you're just experiencing the story and to get rid of some of those truly frustrating combat moments. Um, I could see it's probably like a seven out of ten. Like it's not terrible. It was like it was okay. It was fine, halfway decent. Like I wouldn't put it up at the same level as some of the other stuff I've played this year, but. It's a solid effort from, like you said, a studio that just like fell apart, went bankrupt, got bought, was stitched back together. And then they eventually put this out, you know, like I I think could have been it could have been worse. (laughs) Um, But I think there is also a lot of really frustrating and weird systems in place in Darksiders 3. And actually, come to think of it, one of the reasons why, because I found the final boss very easy and the like maybe two bosses or three bosses before that I found extraordinarily hard. It was the, it was the one where Matt was like, why aren't you playing this on story mode instead of hard mode? I'm like, no, this is story mode. He was like, Oh, Mm. Uh, that boss is there's this like mechanic of upgrading both enhancements on your weapons and your weapons themselves using materials that you find out in the world. And there are, uh slivers of a sub like it's all the same substance but there's like slivers pieces chunks and something else there's like four levels and i didn't realize for the longest time like i thought i could maybe like break down my chunks into more slivers or something because basically i just never had enough slivers to upgrade my weapon but meanwhile, I was progressing through the game and I was finding all these like pieces and chunks and whatever. So I was like, have I just not unlocked the ability at the forge to like break these down into the actual crafting material I need or something? But it turned out eventually I was just like, OK, I'm just going to go spend my souls on buying more slivers because I need to upgrade my weapon because my weapon was like level two and my character was level 50. So I was like, OK. I'm just going to try upgrading my weapon and see what happens. And then what happened was as soon as I paid enough slivers for like the third, like the level three upgrade, then it switched to the currency I needed being pieces. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? So I'd had like a, a very early stage weapon for the majority of the game all the way through the super punishing, horrible, hard boss where I kept doing like 50 damage to him at a time. And he has a health pool of like 20,000 or something. It was this ridiculously long fight. Um, So yeah, once I actually realized that I could just keep upgrading my weapon because I had all of this currency saved, it was like, it went all the way through. Like you need two and then four and then six pieces. And then you need two chunks and then four chunks and then six chunks. And then it goes to like the, I don't know, whatever the final thing was. But the point is, like, I had this super low level weapon for so long because I just didn't realize 
how the crafting system worked because it never really told me. So yeah, it just, there were a lot of little frustrating things like that that I think led to my character being underpowered for the majority of the game, even though I was on the low difficulty. So yeah, they're just, there's a lot of misses in this game, but I'm glad I played it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, well, I'm glad you did as well, because I think it was worth uh, having that conversation about, about this game. Because again, like we're fans of the franchise and uh, it's important to keep up yeah. on it, you know? Like you said, with the Assassin's Creed Odyssey, though, I would 100% get Darksiders 3 on PC unless you have like the Xbox One X or the PS4 Pro. Like I would not play Darksiders on uh, the older consoles. The uh, The performance issues are just great on the uh on the original playstation and xboxes so look for it i'm sure it's probably gonna be on sale on sale sooner rather than later so i would keep your eyes on it kind of after christmas and see if you can't pick it up for pc like this is a solid like 40 dollar game like yeah i i wouldn't pay full price for it and i didn't that i think i said this last week but i should say it again that i this was one of the review codes that we that we got um so yeah, I would pay maybe like half price for this. I wouldn't pay full price for this. Yeah, it's I'm still interested in, in checking it out once, once you know, um, I've had a chance to sort of dabble in, in all the major games that I'm playing right now. But I, I think like I I tried to play Darksiders 2. I tried to go back to it and I played a little bit and I was just like, ah, I don't know. There's just something about this that feels like it came out, you know, six years ago, which, you yeah, know, it did. did, yeah. You know? <laughs> And uh, not not that it sounds like Darksiders Three is this like grand twenty eighteen showcase, but I'd still like to I'd still like to check it out, you know, to because I did experience a lot of Darksiders too, so mm-hmm. I want to see what's next. Speaking of what's next, you dabbled in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate as well, I guess last night or today because it only just <laughs> came out yesterday. It did. It came out today. Or I guess yeah, today. I guess at midnight yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I I um I haven't bought digital in a long time just because uh, here in Canada it's just so much cheaper to get a physical edition if you pre-order at the at the right time. So uh, I pre-ordered it. It didn't show up at my door, so I went to the store to buy it anyways because uh, I didn't want to wait. So I ended up playing for about an hour. Um, there's really not a lot to say outside of the fact that it's a v- huge game. It presents everything to you at the very beginning, except for uh, the characters. So it starts with eight characters unlocked, the main uh, N64 roster. So you've got Mario, Link, Yoshi, uh, oh gosh, I keep doing, uh, wait, I said Yoshi, gosh, who else? Is it, oh, uh, Star Fox, Samus, Donkey Kong and however many more I need to get to eight. So those eight are unlocked <laughs> at the very beginning. And from what I've experienced, you, you, there are 70 fighters in total, so there's a lot to unlock. But how you unlock them is basically, I think, just by uh, playing other modes in the game. So minus the main campaign, which is called the World of Light, I was dabbling around in other modes, and occasionally as I finished a mode, I would pop back out and I'd say like, hey, a new challenger is approaching. So you are unlocking characters you know, progressively as you play through other uh, modes. But in the World of Light mode, uh, you you play as Kirby at the very beginning. There's a big Infinity War type event. You've If you've watched the Nintendo Direct, you've seen the trailer where basically all your favorite Nintendo characters and, and uh, others kind of just evaporate in front of you. It's, it, 
if I mean, I'm sure they worked on that cutscene before Infinity Wars, and obviously the Thanos snap has been around for quite some time, but it's very reminiscent of just watching. Except in this case, it's not fifty percent; it's ninety nine percent. Yeah, everybody uh, but Kirby. <laughs> everybody but Kirby. So like ninety nine point nine percent of the population is just like turned to dust, which is incredibly dark for a Nintendo game. And mm-hmm. well, you, yeah, because I hadn't actually seen that because I'm not a Super Smash Brothers fan. Mm-hmm. Like it's not one of my games that I play, but Matt is a huge fan. So sure. I bought it for him as a Christmas present and obviously gave it to him early because, you know, That's I'm, not gonna make him, I'm not going to make him wait to play this game. He would have just bought it for himself. So true. Um, anyway, so I got it for him. He played it last night. So I sat with him and watched like the opening sequence. And I was like, man, this is dark. Like what is, <laughs> what is Nintendo doing? They just murdered all of the Smash Brothers characters. Like, what's happening and i was actively cheering for kirby i was like go kirby run oh my god use your special star power go yeah like who cheers for kirby right it was intense yeah it's uh, it's a very good cutscene, and even if you don't have any interest in playing smash brothers you can check out the cutscene because it was part of the uh the nintendo direct you can just find it on youtube but uh although be careful if you are a fan of smash you know youtube is just a spoiler minefield so you want to be careful i've been kind of avoiding you know youtube searches in relation to smash brothers not i don't know what kind of spoilers there are but people are saying like oh spoilers um but in terms of unlocking more characters as you play through the world of light mode you are uh, unlocking new characters for your party so you can get them that way as well I think I've unlocked Marth and Zelda. So Zelda's really cool. They base her off of her uh, Between Worlds, uh, Link Between Worlds look. So she looks very different from what she's looked like in past games, uh, which I think is very cool. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much as far as I've got. I literally only played an hour and I kind of just dabbled around with some different things. Um, As someone who's played a Smash game since its inception on the N64, pretty much religiously like all the time um it's a little weird coming back and like all right link let's do this and they've changed him just enough where i'm like oh i, I kind of have to get used to this again mm. um the biggest change being the fact that uh your bomb you don't just throw it and explodes it actually is based off of the the sheikah slate bombs in breath of the wild where you can throw it and then you can actually set it off whenever you want to. So you can leave it on the map and then like wait till someone comes close and then you can activate it. So that's a really neat way to, to build on tactics. Or you can even throw it across the map and wait until it arcs just far enough and then and then explode it. Um, but you have to be careful because it can actually affect you as well. So there are little changes like that to all of your favorite characters uh, that... That are ma- that makes it much less of a just a Smash for Wii U 2.0. It it really feels like um, a new game, even if they have taken what worked really well on the Wii U and and built upon it. So I'm gonna play more of it. I'm gonna get through more of World of Light, and I'll probably talk about it next week because it's probably all I'm gonna be playing for the next uh, seven days straight, as much as I can, at least. Awesome. Uh, so just wanted to remind everybody that if you do like the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in and help support us and let us keep doing what we're doing for another 350 episodes. You can head on over to bit.ly slash TGI discord as well to join our discord channel and get in on the conversation. We also have a patron ad this week from Simon who says weekly news desk to the podcast all about the geek news this week. You can join your two knucklehead hosts, Andrew and Simon, as they keep you informed on movies, TV, video games, and books. Find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. 
that brings us to our topic of the week this week, which is the Game Awards. The Game Awards were last night. They started asterisk at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. That was the pre-show, which I've got to say seemed really odd to me because they called it a pre-show and there was a countdown timer in the top corner. But then they started doing world premieres and giving out awards. So I'm not really sure what the difference between the pre-show and the actual show were. Yeah, we were joking. I joked around on Twitter that uh, the pre-show felt like like the technical awards for the Oscars, except you like you tune in on the same night to see them. But there was but something also, about it. They gave away, um, it, was it like best adventure game? Like they gave away like a best game award as well. Oh, like best uh, action or action best... Action game. Yeah, because yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like Call of Duty and I can't remember who actually won it, but... Dead Cells. Was, Dead Cells, right. I was so confused. I was like, why are they giving away a best of a category game right now? Like, I don't know. Very weird. Very was, weird. Uh, the, the thing is, like, I'm, I don't claim to be someone who can run this amazing award show. So I want to preface this entire, this entire segment with the fact that I, I did like the game awards. Um, were they long? Yes. Incredibly long. Three hours is a long time to sit and watch, but is that in the norm of award shows? I'm pretty sure that's like the accepted length of award show. Three hours Mm -hmm. is a, is how long they are. Uh, but with that pre-show and with some of the announcements, you know, I'm not going to name names, but some of the announcements and some of the the interviews that they gave for new games coming out clearly could have been swapped. You know, um, I think it's it sucks that Dead Cells, the creators of Dead Cells, didn't get a chance to go on the main stage because that was the other thing. They didn't touch the main stage in the pre-show and having mm-hmm. those those Dead Cells folks come up and not be on the main stage felt like kind of a bummer because obviously they know they know i'm pretty sure they know who's gonna win i would think they'd know who's gonna win when they're kind of thinking where they're gonna you know announce it right so they must have known the dead cells folks weren't gonna get to go on on the main stage i doubt it's just because they're just hanging out to the side yeah yeah um but yeah like the pre-show had some of the world premieres which was which is what i expected like some of the soft hits you know uh everyone a lot of people are tuned in to watch so i don't think you're losing out on your on your audience. I had no idea there was a pre-show. I just figured it started at 8.30. Um, yeah, me too. But uh, the thing for me is like, in the pre-show I thought like, oh, they're doing these re- these quick fire lightning round announcements. And I felt like it kind of, in the pre-show I was like, oh, they're just doing it to, to get through it. But I mean, why, why have an award if you're gonna just like gloss over it? Uh, but then they started doing it in the main show and it just like, oh, guys, no, this isn't, I mean, you don't want a five-hour show, but it, like, it just feels kind of like reductive to say, "Here's four awards. Let's do it real quick. List all these games." And I don't know. It just seemed really, uh, really reductive to me. Like, it kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you, and I think the the point where I can't remember if I tweeted about it or I texted you or something, but there was mm-hmm. the point. It might have been in the pre-show. Um, it was the esports it was moment, the e- wasn't it? but it was the esports stuff, and I'm glad that they had esports athlete of the year in the main thing, and they got him to come up on stage because I swear to God, that guy's speech was like the highlight of the whole entire award <laughs> ceremony. I had no it idea was, who he was, but it was amazing. Yeah, exactly, and that's the that's the thing is I had no idea who this guy was. I think he's a, he's a fighting game guy, right? So I mean, that's not a scene that I am interested in or follow at all. But just like to see him get up on the stage his whole speech was just so 
real and adorable and like he was you could tell so nervous but so thankful all at the same time it was just this amazingly pure awesome moment where you could tell like he had the just all of these feelings all at once and it was it was just a really really great moment highlight of the night i think so i'm glad that that was part of the main thing but in the pre-show when they did the esports stuff it was literally like I didn't even understand half of the words that were coming out of his mouth at some point. It was just like team A did stuff and then team B did stuff in their finals against team C. And, you know, like it just they didn't talk about like or even having brackets on the screen, like what game it was from. And some of these like I think the best esports moment of the year or something went to cloud nine. And I'm like. Cloud9 is in like every esport. So can you narrow it down at all? Like it just it felt so throwaway to the point that I'm just like, why are you even doing these awards? Because and it's yeah. the same for some of the games. Like they they did like mobile titles, they did some of like the um indie stuff and I guess just like lesser categories. Like I don't even know how to characterize them, but there was like games in different cat like different categories of games that were given awards. But it's like they were like best mobile game and it was like Reigns Game of Thrones and four titles I've never heard of. And because they weren't part of like the main stage or like the main ceremony or they weren't considered to be important enough or interesting enough. It's like I didn't even get screenshots or gameplay at all of any of these titles. So I'm like, I don't care enough like just a list on a screen doesn't pique my interest enough for me to go and look into any of these games and that's a real shame because i feel like the award shows should be a highlight of the best that gaming has to offer so either cut the stuff that you don't think is important enough or make the show a little bit longer have like an indie segment like put out a schedule and say like we're gonna do all the esports awards from eight till nine we're gonna do everything indie from nine till ten and then you know ten to eleven is triple a and then our game of the year will be at eleven thirty or whatever like hmm. and that way if i'm not interested in indie and mobile titles i don't tune in until 10 o'clock or something but i think all genres and all games who are good enough to be mentioned at the game awards should get their time in the spotlight i guess is my big long-winded way of saying that (laughs) i think you're right and um when you look at esports you look at mobile games you look at you look at all the stuff that kind of i mean glossed over is a is a strong thing to say but it kind of felt like that but i think gaming is such has such a wide audience and while some of those like mobile gaming and um esports might not have as much mass appeal as red dead redemption 2 or um you you know the even the live music or some of the world premieres uh it's there's still an audience there a very passionate audience uh when it comes to mobile gaming and and when it comes to to esports and all those other things and i think if you have one especially with mobile gaming if you have one award for mobile gaming like you're cutting out a large portion of not only your audience but your the developers that support you know this this uh this great hobby this this uh this this great career this great entertainment business and the fact that a mobile gaming company doesn't get to go up and and accept that uh that award is kind of a bit of a bummer for folks Mm -hmm. who run shops that are solely focused on you know ios and android games and there are a lot of them out there i know some folks you know with recent history like mobile gaming blah 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 but 
it's still a big business and i would it's like a, to see them tweak part that of gaming yeah yeah it's a huge part and esports as well and i think they kind of they kind of recovered with you know the esports yeah, gamer and uh where what i really loved about that is like i'm not into esports whatsoever but they showed all the nominees for esports gamer of the year and clips showing what games they played and i was like that's perfect they mm-hmm. nailed it and the moment the other ones like coach of the year and team of the year like okay that is for the folks who understand what you're talking about that makes sense um because showing me a team roster of cloud nine like that's not gonna help me but the moments they should have brought that one out and did clips for it even in the pre-show they could have done clips they didn't need the guy to walk on stage doing clips would have made for excellent entertainment you know and i think they did that last year and i don't know why they changed it yeah i don't know i it started to feel like they were trying to cram as many commercials in as possible the later on in the night that it got and i know that there were like i mean they must have been showing it on like regular cable or something because there it very much felt like there was commercial breaks breaking up my commercials because it was like world premiere world premiere and then commercial 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 world premiere world premiere and i was like man, I feel like I've just been watching game trailers for the last 20 minutes and I feel like they're just trying to sell things to me. And I think that's where a lot of their time went was to all these like world premieres and they could have cut three quarters of them. Like I think world premiere wise, Mm -hmm. I thought the Atlas thing was really cool. Mortal Kombat was really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, None of the other ones are like really stuck in my head. Well, Smash Brothers. I think the announcement for the Smash Brothers DLC. That I know it's you're not a you're not a huge fan, but the fact, oh right, that was the Persona you know, Five guy, right? A huge, huge surprise. Uh, that was. I'm not even a Persona guy, but that was still like something that like man, that's gonna get a lot of people stoked. And I've just I've seen the Discord light up. I've seen Twitter light up. Uh, basically, Smash like it's crazy. You know, Persona is not a is not a is not a plat or is not a franchise that you you know and love on n- Nintendo platforms. So it leads a lot of people to think like, are we getting Persona Five on the Switch? Like, it's not a hard leap to make. But mm-hmm. um, I really loved uh, I love Dragon Age, and I know Bioware has hurt me before. <laughs> um, but the fact that they have Solus and you know the Dread Wolf rises, and they're they're using the the classic key art uh, from Dragon Age, and I I can get excited. But um, just knowing it's happening and, and knowing that they're going to take their time and they're not showing off, you know, they're not doing another Andromeda where it's like, oh, this is this is pre-alpha. Don't worry about it. It's going to get better. Um, like, I'm not going to go out and pre-order it right now, but I'm excited that Bioware is is not just an Atlas company or not Atlas, Anthem. Mm-hmm. Um, Outer Worlds looked really cool, you know, looked like a proper like fallout follow up, which is kind of perfect timing considering how 76 has kind of really found every single way possible to fall on its face uh but it's not uh, it's not being developed by the fallout team though right Outer no is something by like former fallout bethesda employees that are now off on their own right uh no it's um oh. it's obsidian and obsidian made uh fallout new vegas which a lot of people uh argue is is kind of the best follow game to come out since bethesda kind of you know, rejuvenated the franchise, right? So it's it's a big deal uh, to see this game coming out and and basically it feels like Fallout to me and maybe it doesn't play at all like Fallout, but it looks to me like 
a world inspired by the Fallout franchise, and it, right, it is the like, perfect I, developers. But it's not related to Fallout. No, no, no. It's yeah. Okay. It's a it's yeah, a new that's, IP. That's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's a brand new IP uh, from from Obsidian, which is really cool because Obsidian's always been known for kind of well prior to I think their whatever they've done lately. I think it's they're either the Pillar of Eternity guys or the Dreadfire. No, what's the other one? Anyways, um, they used to just do a bunch of games based on existing properties like Fallout New Vegas, but um there you're right though a lot of the world premieres not entirely my jam it it, and that's where i think like where there were clear ads the world premieres that didn't feel for me like all the Fortnite stuff uh those felt very much like ads as opposed to announcements to me even though they were meant to feel like announcements you know um and And i mean it's weird the worst thing about the the Fortnite announcement is when it was like the dude decorating for christmas I was like, oh, my God, what is this game? This looks so fun. What is going on? And then it's like, oh, it's Fortnite. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Are, are we old that we just don't like Fortnite? Is that a thing now? Is that what's happening? I don't think it's not that I don't like Fortnite. It's just that um, I'm not good at Fortnite. And so we're old. That's what you're saying, though. No, no I'm no. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, I don't dislike Fortnite as well. But you're right. I'm terrible at it. And uh, yeah, I, ju- I there just was a heavy play focus. It. Yeah. And but yeah, it, they're oh my god. Speaking of heavy focuses, right. I was so worried that Red Dead Redemption was just going to win everything. I know. <laughs> I felt the same way. I'm like I don't I like the game. Don't get me wrong, Red Dead Redemption 2 is a fantastic uh showcase for the industry. Uh but it's by no means this perfect game. Um it's got a lot wrong with it, but it's got a lot right with it. Uh, yeah, yeah and i mean like it won so uh it the ones that stick out in my head where it beat out detroit become human for story direction oh story yeah, yeah. story yeah which i thought was kind of unfortunate because when we covered detroit become human and i haven't made it all the way through red dead redemption 2 i should say that Neither um, have I. but when we covered detroit which i did finish it had a really interesting branching flow chart of crazy decisions to the point that like even though it somehow followed the same overarching narrative there were so many different ways to get there and so many different conversations and scenes and you know like even just character development like you could you and I could both play through that game and end up with totally different main characters at the end of it which I think is really interesting and quite a feat as much as there's been a little bit of controversy around Detroit Become Human. Um, and I'm not going to get into that right now. But um, I still hmm. think it was a ambitious project that in the end was very well done, I think. And I wouldn't necessarily give it like... I mean, it still was a... you. It was like a, an adventure game. Like you walk around and, and interact with stuff and have conversations and move the story along like there was no combat there was no you know anything else so i don't think that it could be you know game of the year or get awards for anything else but i really felt like story was the the one it should have won so when our when red dead won that i was like okay and then they won i think art direction they won music they like and i was like oh my god okay so they're they've got the best story the best art the best music that means it's going to be our game of the year right like 
Yeah. And I was really worried because it seemed like a lot of the games that came out earlier in the year, and this also always seems to happen, were almost forgotten because it's just like, you know, they came out in February and March and, you know, now it's November and RDR is right in our forefront of our minds because we just been playing it. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It felt like it kind of dominated and I... I think there may be some, well, definitely some of the categories at one, like the music used oh, it very... Oh, the, the voice actor too, which I yeah. loved his speech. I thought he was adorable. <laughs> oh, and he, he, there was a lot of great voice acting this year, you know, God of War, uh, even other characters in Red Dead. But when you play Red Dead, you really feel like Arthur Morgan has come alive. And I think, yeah, his voice acting and his speech were phenomenal. I'm glad, I'm glad he won. Cause I felt like that of all the ones that the game uh, won awards for, that was the one that was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Because like, if you're a main character in a rockstar game, you're going to win best, uh, best actor award basically, because like that studio knows how to take, you know, an actor and turn him into another character both in game and in the VO box and in the mocap suit. Like it's, they just always do a phenomenal job. And, but yeah, no, like the fact, I thought it was going to sweep it. And then, you know, God of War won best director, uh, best direction, which I thought was Mm -hmm. very well deserved. I think, you know, Corey Balrog did a, a fantastic job with that game. And, and not only did it produce a great game, it also, it kind of brought a studio back from the brink. It gave, it took God of War and made it into something that I never thought that franchise could even be, you know? Like, if you put God of War and, and well, God of War and God of War and put it side by side, you wouldn't even, outside of the main character, you wouldn't think it's the same franchise, right? So mm-hmm. they're just so vastly uh, different, and, and this new one is just just so superior to that. And then when it came to game of the year, I was fully prepared for Red Dead Redemption. Not that I yeah. wanted it to win, but uh, I was so happy that God of War won. And, and then when they brought everyone on stage, I think that's where it really felt to me like, man, okay, the last three hours, totally worth it to see these people come on stage. And like we, a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of people on the internet might be saying, oh, the game words, just like so many issues with it. But then you see these people who work take years of their lives to to build these singular products that we we consume and they get up on stage and they just look so damn happy and Mm -hmm. you're like okay no they have to keep doing this because clearly the people that the people that they've created this this show for to celebrate gaming like the people who are making these games also really appreciate this opportunity to celebrate their industry and uh i think that's why this the game awards for me were we're really we're really well done you know like it kind of it ended on a high note it started i don't know like we want to talk about uh the fact that it started with uh the three console developers on stage together like kind of that field that felt kind of forced a bit <laughs> did you yeah did, like it, it, it looked like sean layton did not want to be there like phil spencer and and reggie they were both like cool with what was happening but it felt like the playstation was just uh was just dragged along because he'd look uncool if he didn't show up i don't know it was just it did he didn't look happy i don't know yeah well and i mean this is kind of the thing about sony right now right is that like sony is winning for all intents and purposes so you know when 
the other two do something like show up on stage together and show a united front, PlayStation's kind of like, oh, man, do we have to? I guess so. But they're not going to be happy about it because, you know, they're winning. They shouldn't have to do stuff like that. They should just, you know, be the best, be ahead. Yeah, but I I do appreciate the sentiment of of what he was trying. They were trying to portray and that like, you know, even though we're competitors, we like you don't see it at the Oscars where like directors have fisticuffs or production companies like don't want to sit at the same table. Like they're all there to celebrate the medium. Right. And yeah. And uh, I think like if you do what they did this year every year, it's going to feel a little like, okay, we get it, you know, kumbaya. But the fact that they did it this year and, and they kind of let it be like, I think that's, that would be, that would be fine. But uh, yeah, I, I think it was, uh, it, it felt a little weird and it was certainly surprising, but by the end of it, I think it all come together and you kind of forget like the rotating ads and the trailers and stuff that were kind of playing. But uh, yeah, I think an improvement of last year for sure. I think it still has a, a long way to go. And I, I mean, I understand that they probably need the money, so that's why they have so many commercials and world premieres, but I would like to see much less in terms of world premieres and much more in terms of awards, I think, personally. Yeah, no, I I think that's, uh, I think that'd be their ultimate goal. You know, there's a lot that they could have trimmed out, but I think you're right, like, in terms of financing it, because they don't, it's not a typical like in the, in the Oscars, they have commercials because you're watching it on TV, and and yeah. that, that's what pays for, for for that. But I think as it gets as it gets bigger, and you know sponsors are willing to you know donate without having, you know these grand segments where they talk about the Epic Game Store and and how how great it is, even though it's not really out yet. But um, it yeah, it, it felt it feels kind of forced. You're right, like the you know, the Should ads. We actually- and- should we talk about the Epic Game Store? Because we haven't actually talked about it, but basically Epic Games is coming out with a Steam competitor. Mm. Yeah, we haven't talked about it. And there's um, there's been, there's some interesting things about it in that like, yeah, when you have Fortnite, the biggest game in the world, uh, and 200 million users with, with an Epic account, why don't you try to sell them some games? Especially when you have the Unreal Engine. So like a lot of games that are coming out, a majority of them are on your engine you know and uh the fact that they can cut a deal directly with folks who are making unreal games and give them like i think it's an 88 12 split mm-hmm. like it, it, it's kind of crazy but for developers like it's super pro developer so yeah and i feel like of all the companies because obviously like ea has their own platform in origin and then um oh what's the other i guess um well, ubisoft you with you play yeah I think, that a, the, yeah. I think that the the company that could really probably make this work is actually going to be Epic just because, like you mentioned, the whole uh, very pro-developer thing, but also just the fact that there's probably quite a lot of people, by people I mean teenagers, that maybe don't have a Steam <laughs> account, maybe don't, like, no, I'm, I, I, I know you think I'm making a joke, but I'm <laughs> really not. Um, but I think that there are a lot of, PC gamers, like PC users in that kind of teenager realm who are super into Fortnite, but that's the only game they play and they probably don't have a Steam account because why would you need it? All you play is Fortnite. So I think that they actually have quite a broad audience that they can tap into that maybe isn't into Steam, isn't familiar with the PC gaming at large. Like they 
just have an Epic account because what they do is play Fortnite. So I think it's like an untapped audience that if anyone was going to make a Steam competitor work, it's probably Epic. Yeah, no, I think Epic has a has a strong foothold and they've already announced some uh, some exclusives. So the newest uh, Supergiant game uh, got announced, uh, Hades. It's available in early access right now for 20 bucks on the Epic Store. And they're doing a lot to cater folks to just even create an account. Not only are you getting, you know, access to Fortnite, but starting on the 14th of December, you're going to get a, now this is starting to sound like an ad, but I still think it's cool. (laughs) Uh, You're getting a free game every two weeks just to keep an ad to your Epic game store. And the first one is Subnautica, which Hmm. is a game that a lot of people were very interested in. I haven't played yet. So this is something that... I really enjoyed it and I I never did actually finish it but I got fairly far um I got to the point where I was like in my sub and exploring like caverns and new islands and stuff like that so I I got fairly far in Subnautica and it was a lot of fun it's a that's a really good you know kind of first offering yeah so you'll get that free starting the 14th and then two weeks later you can get your hands on super meat boy for free which is a game that's been out on a lot of platforms but like there's just i mean yeah i I know when steam started and other competitors showed up a lot of people were like oh great another app another account yeah but these days there are so many of them that really can you can you complain about one more when you know there are always going to be more yeah um uh i think once origin and you play show that they were here to stay and then blizzard joined the front it's like okay i think we can stop complaining about this now guys like we can just yeah this is just happening it's a <laughs> Get thing on board you, yeah you know and and if you really really don't like it then yeah you can pick the biggest one in the room which is still steam but yeah at the end of the day if you have a platform offering you great consumer you know offers like you you can choose to avoid it but personally i go where the best deal is where i'm treated the best and um i think that i'm not going to switch over to just exclusively epic game store i'm going to go where where the games are so if there's a game i really want to play and it's on the epic game store i have no problem with that uh it was pretty heavy-handed during the award show a lot of people were joking that it's like oh this is he mentioned steam i think he just lost some money there but uh i mean he it's a balancing act the show where i think he's self-financing it and he's trying to figure out a way to you know bring more money in for the show that doesn't feel as forced it's let's let's face it it's much better than the giant um you know uh it was it um it was like a it was a razor walking around like a a suit a guy in a razor suit was walking around doing a mortal Kombat skit i mean guys this is an improvement on previous years because that did not happen (laughs) uh so i think if, if you look at previous years he has gotten better at removing the weird product placement uh and yes there's still awkward moments but like i don't know i can't remember the last time i sat through the oscars i can't remember the next time i want to do that like it's not of any interest to me but it's uh, still yeah it still was an award show and those are as interesting or not interesting as you find award shows like this wasn't breaking any sort of conventions or anything mm -hmm. i think um, but they, I think they did a good job, and I think uh, we danced around it. We actually say so. God of War actually won Game of the Year, so we thought it was going to be RDR two, but it wasn't. It was God of War, and uh, mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to play God of War yet, unfortunately. But uh, you did, and you, I mean, you loved it, right? Uh, absolutely. It was a, it, it's a fantastic game, and uh, I'd almost say like the next uh, next time there's a big sale. 
it's probably uh, it's probably down. It's probably dirt cheap now. Like in, in terms of the quality content you're getting, I, I think it might actually still be on sale. So folks, the Game Awards ran sales across all digital platforms, and uh, I believe they're active until the end of the weekend. So you might still be able to take advantage of it. So um, just gonna look it up right now. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, sale ends December eighth at ten a.m. So. Uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. PST, so 1 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, so depending so, on yeah, yeah it might depending on when you're actually downloading the show and listening, it might already be over. But yes, it, there is a could sale already be the holiday everything. sale. <laughs> yes, exactly. So God of War is PlayStation only, right? Yes, PlayStation exclusive. Uh, which you know, it's nice to see an exclusive uh, kind of win because it kind of proves sort of the. I know a lot of people don't like exclusives, but it is a fantastic game. And if you do have a PlayStation 4, you should really check it out for sure. I will be doing that then. Hopefully I'll be able to find it on some kind of sale. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those titles that I it wasn't that I didn't want to play. It's just, you know, there was other stuff out at the time and money is a thing. So (laughs) but yeah, I want to I definitely do want to get to try because obviously it's game of the year over RDR2. So Mm -hmm. definitely worth picking up i think that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight ryan do you have any final thoughts on the game awards or are you good i'm good i think that uh we don't want this to turn into a three-hour uh, epic so oh world <laughs> premiere we got another world premiere um the end of the show world premiere <laughs> you can visit us on the web at gamersandpodcast.com you can also follow us on twitter you can find me jocelyn at jocelyn ryan is Dara murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in the video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch.com and are available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what your favorite award from the Game Awards was, please do so at info at Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>